You're listening to Radio Free Brooklyn, independent, listener-supported radio. I'm back, back in the New York Brian. Scott. Brian, there is nothing going on in the sports world. <laughs> what is happening? Right. Well, I guess there, right? There is, is, I think there's like an NBA finals game tonight, but Fair. I don't want to talk about it. I don't know. Wait, is it tonight or is it tomorrow night? It's tonight, I think. Is it? I was, yeah. I, I thought Plus, it was there's tomorrow. no point in us discussing it because it's a New York centric show. The game's going to happen by the time anybody listens to this. There's no value in us discussing, you know, either the Bucks win and they've now won a championship, at which point our analysis was all <laughs> old and weird anyway. And so, or like, and if we were to have our big take about what this means for Giannis and Middleton and what have you, it would, it might look foolish by Saturday when the Suns have won the next two games and we have no idea. So there's just like no point, right? That's right. We're disincentivized. We did have an opportunity to watch game five together. That was fun. That's true. I will say, I guess, since we've now brought it up, the only thing I will say, like, that little moment there where there were, like, a couple of crazies who were, like, Middleton is better than Giannis, like, (laughs) it's just, like, there's such a misunderstanding of, like, because late in games especially playoff games, jump shooting becomes so important and guys who can like create their own jumper become so important. And, and so Chris Middleton suddenly like the offense, he tends to like initiate the offense a little bit more in the crunch time that this now (laughs) means he's better than Giannis and more important than it. It's like, no, it doesn't. It means that his value is, is more than you might and you know it's very important to the bucks that they have a player like that because Jonas that is his one weakness whatever it doesn't mean that he's not that Antetokounmpo is not the best player on the team one of the best players in the league an MVP like he's incredible he's so he's Shaq and Middleton's more the Kobe but it doesn't mean that Shaq was like a robin you know or like right. a sidekick like it's just stupid no i think that's exactly right and i would think too if you're i mean if you're a person that's silly enough that you're gonna actually delve into that debate like it's a real one like we we need to figure it out because we still don't know which one of them is better i feel like the next step in that test is just to ask yourself like what am i more terrified of chris middleton is in the air like about to shoot a jumper or Giannis is off to the races on a fast break. Like yeah, just or one which is, one is harder to find? Like a quality shooting guard right. or a generational yeah. talent who's a mixture of guard, big man, freak of nature. And like let's say both of them are free agents next year. They're on the open market. Who makes more money? Right, right. Who gets right. paid more? It's like not even close. <laughs> right. Or if your team like let's say they both leave the Bucks Giannis goes one place, gets a salary. Your team gets Middleton, signs him to the same contract, basically, as Giannis. You're the team that got Middleton. Are you happy you got Middleton, or are you pissed you didn't get Giannis? Right, and I get where it's like Middleton's a great player, and he's a little under, he's been underrated for a long time, and I think especially when they've struggled in the playoffs, like then he gets really he got really dismissed. Um, 
so I get what people are trying to do. It's just like trying to, it's trying a little bit to be like, this guy's more awesome than we're, we're realizing or appreciating and we should, and that's all well and good, but don't do it at the expense of this freak of nature that <laughs> is clearly the best player on that team. And the reason that they're going to win a championship is because they have that guy. What I do sort of love about the this Bucks team right now is Giannis is a super duper star. That shouldn't be a controversial thought. But I feel like between Middleton and Drew Holiday, I don't think people really knew what to make of them. Like, or did I say Drew Holiday? That's not what I meant to say. Or is that the right thing? No. Yeah, I mean, yeah he, he's the Drew point Holiday. guard. Yeah, yeah. Right. I was thinking Drew Bledsoe because there's another Bledsoe involved in that. Tra- it's just, I was mixed up about uh, right, it. Right, <laughs> right. But, like, the trio, like, Giannis, Middleton, and Holiday are not your standard issue championship big three. Yeah, yeah. And the fact that they're right on the verge of a title makes me feel really hopeful about even next year's Knicks season. Like, Randall. yeah. Dame and somebody right are at this point now a plausible big three. Whereas prior to the Bucks winning it, it really just felt like you had to have one of only a very small handful of guys to get that done. Yeah, though it's not totally dissimilar from like the Raptors when they had Kawhi, Siakam, right. and like Lowry, and that's like that was their big three. That's um, true. If you know, if you just when you when that's your big three, then the four, five, six, seven have to be better than they do when your big three is like LeBron and Dwayne Wade and Bosch or whatever. Except I'm not totally sure that's the case with Milwaukee right now. Yeah. I mean, that's true. I mean, they do have some nice role. play. I mean, everybody fits, right? They have like Brooke Lopez who can do right. a lot of different things. Connaughton off the bench is pretty good. Portis is pretty good off the bench. Um, so oh they've got like PJ haven't... Tucker in the perfect iteration of himself. Um, so they're pretty well constructed. I will say, I don't think we've talked enough on this show about how much I dislike Bobby Portis. <laughs> I started out the series rooting against the Bucks because I didn't want Bobby Portis to get a ring this year. Yeah. He's such one I of those guys why. when he's on your team and you stink, he's such a nightmare. And if you're like great and he's like on the bench, he's, he's really useful. Like it just was like him as this like... <laughs> free agent signing that the Knicks brought in. And then we just, there was way too much by Bobby Portis. And well, and it just felt like slightly more than that. Like he was of no use to us. Yeah. Yeah. And except in that one Chicago game where he went off and I feel like that was so annoying. Right. If you could do that, do it every time. Also Chicago, that was not a revenge game because Chicago didn't really do anything to you. Right. Right. You were a mediocre at best player that they let go, and then you went to another place where you continued to be mediocre at best. <laughs> yeah, and no don't try big... to sell me on it as a fan that I should care that you played well against the Bulls or like right. I'm, I'm proud as a Knicks fan that we sh- you showed them. I don't care. Right. If anything, the Bulls should have been seeking vengeance on you. Right. <laughs> or so just I... you know you parted ways. These things happen. Right. <laughs> so I don't know when he's out there. I find it harder to root for the Bucks. Go away, Bobby Portis. I could see that. He is, does fit them well, though, and he's not bad. Yeah. But anyway, I, I am hopeful. Uh, I think I just think that the Bucks winning makes me hopeful for the Knicks. Now, obviously, next year, 
Brooklyn, as we are Radio Free Brooklyn, should be the favorites to win the title, will be the favorites to win the title. But yeah, the more your team is built around a smaller collection of guys, the more vulnerable you are to injuries in the postseason. And I know people are going to say, well, this is the condensed season. It was a shortened season. It was a crazy season. You won't have bad injury luck like this in the future. I mean, are you sure? You know, because Durant tore his Achilles in a finals. I mean, it's not that unusual. LeBron is getting older, and he's a guy who factors in heavily to the mix. Davis gets hurt more than he doesn't, it feels like. You know, Chris Paul is getting really old. So, I don't know. Are we entering the uh, the parody era of the NBA, Brian? Maybe. Maybe for the first time. Like, it'll be the first iteration of it. But this is the most wide-open playoffs I ever can recall where you really didn't know who was going to win and where it felt like maybe six or 17. Like, let's say the Jazz had made it, you know? Like, they're not that much worse than the Bucks. Like, that would have been a pretty interesting series. Um the Clippers, I think, had a real argument that they were championship, you know, if Kawhi didn't get hurt. And so it's really, yeah, I mean, next year, I don't know who the clear cut. I mean, you've probably the Nets, I guess. But, I mean, I think you're right. Like, if the Nets, only if everything goes right, one of those guys goes down and the rest of that team is just okay. And, um, you know, so, yeah, I mean, it would be really funny. It would be, it'd be something else to have the NBA actually, like, up for grabs every year. <laughs> I mean, now that you mentioned it too, they kind of are, right? Because you have now we're about to be in the third year of a stretch that saw Toronto win, then the Lakers. But I mean, the Lakers haven't been at this level for quite some time. I mean, for them, I suppose. And then now this year, you're going to get either Milwaukee or Phoenix winning the title. Could be, yeah. Maybe that Raptors was like some kind of sea change. And yeah, we're, it's not going to be as, you know, the old days when it's like, okay, LeBron's team in the East in the finals and then the Warriors. Right. And, you know, before that, it was the Spurs and then the Bull. You know, it, it really, <laughs> you look at the history of the last 25 years of the NBA, it's not a lot of teams that won titles. Like maybe it will be a little more open. We're also, I feel like we might be on the verge of an era where I don't think there's an obvious kind of heir apparent to LeBron where it's, it's like yeah. that guy's team will be in the mix no matter what. And who knows when that guy is going to come along, but that could open up also a stretch of just like, you, you don't know who's coming out of what side. Yeah, it's true. There's no like guy in high school, even that you're hearing about. That's like that, like the way LeBron was, um, I, you know, I think Zion was like the closest thing, but I don't see Zion. He's not like that. I mean, he's, people are going to throw that in his face. Like he's not amazing. Cause he's right. He, I think he's gonna be right up there with every non LeBron of this era, you know, like an Anthony Davis. I mean, he's right there. He's that kind of player, but he's yeah. not, he's not going to dominate the league. I don't think. And I, I mean, I, I mean, I think he might win MVPs, but he's more like in a Jonas. He's like Kawhi. He's a great, great player. Right, like um, a normal superstar. Yeah, yeah, not this like, okay, we have him, therefore we are going to make the finals. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah. Even Durant, he's just he's just not trustworthy enough, I think, at this point still. Yeah, he's not that. Right. There's no yep. shame in it if there's two of them in my lifetime. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, right. It takes a while. 
Yeah. And there may not be a third. Who we don't know. Yeah, who knows? Or it may not be for a few for several years or um another generation could go by. Like, yeah, it's hard to say. Yeah. Uh all right, Brian. So uh so just make a pick for tonight. Let's just see. Bucks close it out at home. Give the citizens of Milwaukee something to celebrate. I say yes. Feels like that. Okay. All right. I so, think goes. I think it might go to Game Seven. Anyone I hope not. listening, let us know what happened. Yeah, tell us what happened <laughs> when you hear this. <laughs> so, Brian, what is the state of your New York Mets? <laughs> Who cares, Scott? That's what I say about the Mets. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you care? Who cares? I don't know. Baseball stinks. I want somebody to, it stinks. You know what? It stinks. (laughs) What is wrong? What happened to baseball? Why? Like, I don't know. You know, it, like when you look back on the steroid era of baseball, and I'm not suggesting that steroids are necessarily the answer to what ails baseball, but it was just unquestionably more fun. Like, the home run race, you had guys just putting up ungodly numbers. Like, a man hit 70 home runs, Scott. Multiple yeah. 70. A guy hit 63 times. They were hitting 370. Like, 150 RBIs was like the norm. It was fun. You had players who were exciting. I, I And people tell you that, like, I don't, it's not like against the players. It's not the players' fault necessarily, but. Because I'm sure the athletes are better and all that. But it's just not as fun. (laughs) I have spent a lot of time thinking about this year. And I don't understand it. Because, you know, I'm a a, a gym teacher, um, as I've said before on this show. And I had to teach virtually almost the entire school year. So, you know, trying to keep the kids engaged. Uh, I would look for documentaries that I thought were interesting. So we watched a couple of baseball related ones. We watched a Jackie Robinson documentary. We watched a 30 for 30 on uh, Doc and Daryl Strawberry. And you, I look back at that era of baseball and I just wonder, did I change or did it change? Because when I was a kid, it was the biggest possible thing. Baseball, baseball history. I could, as a kid with... You know, because I think a lot of times the common excuse is, well, you know, people don't have the attention spans anymore. And I think that's nonsense. Kids today, despite cell phones and iPads, I think do not have a shorter attention span than we did when we were kids. We weren't these magical children with these long attention spans who only craved to be outdoors and wanted nothing to do with electronics. Like, that's just ridiculous. Right. They so, said the same shit about us. We were watching six hours a day of TV or whatever. And, oh, it's, right. Like, it's going to rot our brains. Read books or whatever. Yeah. So I don't buy any of that nonsense. So what happened? Did, did, did society change? Did baseball change? Or was it the steroid era? It just ruined the whole thing. I, I don't Not know. The steroids. I, yeah, I don't know. It's like the policing of it. <laughs> it's like right. Everybody like criticizes everybody like baseball that they were like looking the other way. And it's like good for them. Why? Who's the, <laughs> why? Who said we had to police this? 
Why did it matter? Right. Well, just look at the spider tack thing. Who cares? Yes. Oh, my God. That was so annoying. Like, where did that even come from? It's like, who was... I mean, I guess the, the reason that that became an issue was because, you know, people aren't hitting. And so that it became the, like, you know, the the explanation was, okay, this is a problem, you know? Right. So that, suddenly that the was problem. the thing. But it's like, yeah, I don't... Or, or, it's just clumsy. It's just like all of a sudden spider attack, spider attack. Like, um, I, I, I don't know. Like there does appear to be a problem of pitchers throwing too hard and pitchers getting too good. Like just Jacob DeGrom has a 1.08 ERA. Like he's just, no one can hit him at all. Um, and is that cause he's got sticky stuff in his belt? I don't know. Um, something's just there. Like there hasn't been a guy hit, um, you know, and it's funny because home runs have exploded in, in the, on the on the other hand, right? Like there was a guy, everybody's hitting 30, but nobody's hitting 60. And to me, that's like the worst that you could have. Like it'd be much better to have only a few guys hitting 30, but there was like 10 guys hitting, chasing 60 or, um, you know, getting into that rarefied air. Like that's what you want. It's like a few great players. Um I don't know. There's just this thing like nobody seems to be hitting for average anymore. There's just no like I don't know. I don't know. I maybe I'm wrong. Like right. Like what Otani's doing is like we've never seen anything like it. Right. Like why don't I care about that? I guess I I should. That's very exciting. So I, you know it could be I'm blaming all of baseball for things that are going on in my own life. <laughs> <laughs> maybe it's not the Mets' fault. Maybe it's not Michael Conforto's fault, Scott. I don't know. No, but I think it is. Let's blame Michael Conforto because, <laughs> because listen, look, you and I both are obviously huge sports fans. We take an hour out of our week every week to do right. th- to do this. We're huge sports fans. Both of us grew up loving baseball. You at one time worked for Major League Baseball. Why don't we like baseball? Right. Like, that's a problem. We're also right in the demographic. We're both 40. We're old. You know, yeah. we're both sort of white. At least sort of, so at least one of us, sort of white. We are we are in the prime demographic. Right. Why is it not appealing to us? That is a big problem. And right, I should be so I'm half Japanese. I should be so into Otani. The second coming of Babe Ruth. I never thought there would be another Babe Ruth. I never even thought we'd see Hank Aaron's record broken. And then it was, but everybody crapped all over it because right. it was Barry Bonds. Right. I mean, that's it. It's just the self-inflicted wounds that baseball continues to put on itself where it's just like, I feel like it's sort of time where you're like, you guys, we, I got to let you guys figure yourself out. It's nothing against you, but you clearly need some space Yeah. and I'm going to let you figure yourself out. And if you ever do, I'll always be here. Right. Something's not firing. Not here. Yeah, I don't know what it is. There's something that's not drawing me to this Mets team too in particular I don't know if it's maybe it's Pete Alonzo's fault you know I mean I guess all the stars haven't really hit great for them like Alonzo's been okay Lindor's been pretty bad DeGrom's awesome but now he's a little banged up the pitching's been great but I don't know I don't know you know it's weird because they're in first place so it should be exciting but 
they're in a bad division, so they're well behind. Like in any other division, they'd be barely making the playoffs. Um, I don't know. I don't know if it's a Mets problem or a, a Major League Baseball problem. Though I'm not. I'm certainly not watching like Sunday Night Baseball either. Um, Is it possible that baseball, with all the changes that it's made and the you know analytics and and whatever, has sort of played itself into a spot where it's almost not even fun to watch because you know you kind of alluded to it earlier but basically now either nobody's getting a hit or they're hitting a home run and there's almost nothing in between and that does take a lot of excitement out of the game you know we were together this weekend we were at a a 40th birthday gathering at our friend's house and I was having a discussion with a friend of ours about professional lacrosse and how you know paul rabel is starting up that league and it's you know it's he's even he was like i don't watch it but i'm glad that they have it yeah yeah and i have watched some professional lacrosse in my lifetime and i have found that the thing that makes it the most unwatchable is that almost like the skill level gets too high for somehow people who play lacrosse at a professional level the parameter, like the just whatever, the structure of it, the field size, the size of the goal, whatever, it just makes defense way too hard to play. And so there's too much scoring. And it almost becomes like those guys are too skilled for that game to be entertaining. Is it possible that things like, and you know, not to be the old man, but like the shift and, you know, taking more walks and, and extending pitching counts and all the pitching changes. It's like, I get it. Those are all things that you would do to win. And I think you might have said this on a podcast earlier and like within the last few weeks. But, you know, it's like playing Madden with that friend who only throws a screen pass because it works for them and they can, you know, but that's like the only thing they're doing. Yeah. I definitely think it's part of it. I hate, you know, blaming analytics because it's, I don't even know what that means at this point. It's so broad, you know, like. Right. There's good analytics, there's bad analytics, there's good data analysis, there's bad data analysis. I think some of those trends that it has um, pushed forth have been harmful, but I don't think it's all to blame. I don't know. You know, it's like a tough one. Because, um, like, if I was advising MLB, I don't know what I would necessarily say. Like, yeah, um, somehow get, get people stealing bases again. Is there some incentive you could make for that? Is there? I definitely would try to do something on pitching changes, but I don't know you know, then that that's, that's iffy too. Like the shift, I get the arguments on both sides. Like if it was me, I would get rid of it. I, I I think it's annoying, but I get the people who are like, Hey, it's just strategy. And like, um, you know, it's weird that hitters haven't adjusted more to shifts. Um, yeah. Is that about, is that about stubbornness of the old guard of baseball? Or do you think it's about, look, hitting a baseball is hard enough as it is to have to, learn to change that is just too much to ask of players i think it's maybe it is just too hard to avoid like you can know okay they're shifting me it's like that that adjust it's like seems like oh well just make that adjustment and like go the opposite way a few times and it's just like no like you just can't you can't do it (laughs) like it seems like you should but you can't i don't know right i know you should seems like you should it seems like you should be able to get out of that, get teams out of that pretty easily. But my dad is furious. My dad gets furious over hitters that can't go the other way. Yeah. He just has no respect for them. Right. I get it. It feels so counterintuitive. Like they're shifting you. All right. 
slap yeah. it over there a few times and they'll stop. Uh, but I, it's, I don't think it's as simple as that. <laughs> Let's hit it over there. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. I'm trying. The guy hits it, throws it a hundred miles an hour. <laughs> right. I barely and, saw it. <laughs> and sometimes, sometimes 88 and it looks right. exactly the it same. It looks exactly the same. And it so has what nasty do you want spin me? on it and it's <laughs> impossible. This is the hardest thing that human beings endeavor to do. <laughs> what would Otani have to do? What would a, an Otani season have to be to get people just like glued to what's happening in baseball? Because I don't think that, that he's having that effect right now, and he should be. So what else does he need to do? I don't know. Like sometimes I do feel like Barry Bonds just like wrecked the whole sport because he like achieved this level of greatness that was like so off the charts and then it was so tarnished and now there's like nothing to chase it's like the greatest baseball ever played has been played and now maybe can't be played again because we're not allowing it to (laughs) but you know like I want to see so I feel like it's like there's just nothing I'm interested in like from unless it's your your team right like Otani's yeah. doing this really singular thing he's not going to hit 74 home runs right. he's not going to he's not going to have an on-base percentage that's like 60% <laughs> right he's not going to get intentionally walked like 250 times <laughs> like Barry Bonds people are just like just walk him first inning yeah. hey, right. walk him nobody on don't bother. <laughs> Walk them. And it's like we're all chasing that high. And it's and and then we can't even celebrate him because it was like then destroyed and tarnished. And, you know, I don't know. I, I, that's like I, has a lot to do with it for me anyway. No, you're so right. It's just the sport peaked. It hit its nadir. Right. And it's we're all on the downslope. And there's point. and there's like it feels like there's no way to even get back there unless we all start, you know turning the other way again and right. let a guy show up with his hat size two sizes bigger than it was the year before and new shoes but they have to do it they just have to at this point and it's just so frustrating now that now that we're talking about it i'm thinking about it even more and it's like because you know what else killed them it wasn't just the bonds mcguire sosa stuff like i do feel like they could have overcome that but then it was like the slow drip of other guys like the whatever a rod was caught up in and then so the names slowly get trickled out and so then it's not just you ruin that that one era of stars that was obviously juicing then there was almost a second era of stars that was ruined by like they might have took something they're not sure if they were taking it they weren't sure if it was a banned substance what is a bad banned substance who cares about banned substances and thus who cares about baseball? That's like, that's like the line that people followed. I feel like at least say that's the line that I followed because right. Just everything. It's like, what matters anymore? Then I guess like the, the game's most prestigious records are held by a guy who's not allowed in the hall of fame. And frankly, no one even likes to acknowledge ever existed. Right. And, and so, right. Oh, baseball, you know, right the michael jordan of the sport is like not considered that and doesn't get talked about ever and yet he also yet his records are still on the books and they're they can't be matched (laughs) right (laughs) and and the records still on the books and we all saw them 
most of us anyway, saw them get put in the books. And it was an incredible sight to see. It was exciting. It was thrilling. It was exhilarating. And then it was taken away from us. And now it's boring. Yeah, I don't know. Or maybe this is just a ho-hum Mets team that I just can't get that into. And, and <laughs> maybe if they make a run here and they get it going, I'll, I'll change my tune and we'll be talking about the renaissance of baseball. Maybe the Mets, and the, <laughs> the Mets and the Yankees will play in the World Series and we'll be like, baseball is back. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. <laughs> I mean, the Mets were in the World Series in when? 2016? 2015. 2015. I was into that. I watched it. It was yeah. fun. But baseball wasn't back. It wasn't back. Yeah, wasn't back. And now we have a Japanese player who is being <laughs> referred to as the second coming of Babe Ruth. And uh, it's right at, at baseball's decline. And I think that that's fitting. Uh, <laughs> why do, why, Brian, why don't you go ahead and share with our audience your thoughts on the resilience of Japan? <laughs> Can I? Is this an offensive take? I don't. You're Japanese. Like, does this? Is this? Uh... I I don't think so. I mean, I <laughs> when I hear you give the take, I feel prideful okay. actually, and I don't feel like I identify with being Japanese that much. But I think it's some valid points. Right. Well, I've just always admired the Japanese, or I just think it's remarkable that <laughs> the people who lost World War II in the way that they did just like how little resentment they have about it and how like they have not, you know, they have never been aggressors again. Like there's no revenge lust seemingly from the Japanese, like two atomic bombs right to the dome. And seemingly the reaction was like, touche, just like (laughs) cheers. You're like, yeah, boy. That's you have won decisively, and right. we respect what you have achieved. And wow, <laughs> we accept <laughs> that this we have been defeated here, and we are going to work to change things about how we do things. <laughs> like they just, you know, and rebate their society. Like they don't have military anymore. They're just like, yep, nope, we want no part of this. Like that yeah. was horrible. I, and it's like you know. And I don't know, like, you you would know better than me. Like, is there any, like, uh, like, are there any people in Japan who, like, uh, is there a movement in there about, like, you know, like, is there any desire to, like, become powerful militarily again? And, uh, you know, I mean, you would think, right? It's like, I mean, I guess Germany, too, in many ways, like, I don't know, we're really getting off the topic. but, (laughs) But, you know, in some ways, I guess, is very chastened as well but i just always it's like amazing to me that there isn't more animosity towards the united states from inside japan they're really that holds to this day i think at least towards the united states um you know i've been to japan a few times with my dad and um there were a few every now and then in tokyo you would see a van with the old japanese imperialistic flag painted on the on the white van so it's not just the red sun but with all the lines coming out of it which was their pre-world war ii flag and there's like a speaker on top of the van and someone's shouting into it in japanese sounding very angry and aggressive and my dad said that that is what the the whatever the very tiny political party that's that feels like japan 
should have military once again and should try and conquer once again. But nobody takes them all that seriously. Right. And that was I, I bought that because I think if you're a serious political party, your your operation isn't run out of vans with speakers on the roof. Right. At least on a national <laughs> level, right? So but I, I do think that Shinzo Abe, the I think soon to be former prime minister, uh, was the leader of a party that was I think not trying to become imperialistic again, but saying, you know, let's it's time we got a little flex back in our lives. But I think that's also more directed at it's definitely not directed at the US. That's more towards North Korea, China, um, you know, countries that are nearby that do not that they have not uh accepted defeat into their hearts the same way that the Japanese did. Right. Uh and they don't really like Japan and you know North Korea is testing nuclear weapons in their general vicinity so I, I think that that's sort of what it is but it's you know again it's been what 70 years and they still don't have a, like a military yeah it's just wild I don't know it's just a wild thing to think about like we just don't think about it in the US at all like what it no, is like right. to be on the receiving end and what that does to your I would love to go there um not that you can absorb all that but and i should read about it much more really but um it's just a crazy thing just like they were like hmm, yeah oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> you got just i don't know well it's but amazing. they didn't just quit right they just realized that the military conflict is over right but we're coming for the things that you hold most dear. Right. We, yes. Many generations from now, we're going to get your most prestigious games and and make our presence felt. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to win your home run crowns and your golf majors. Right. And <laughs> your and green jackets. Fantastic automobiles. Right. Right. True. Yeah. That's so, true. So all this was a lead up, of course, to just getting to the point that you just made, that we have the second Japanese player this year has won a major in golf. True. Although is he, he is what, Japanese American? Yeah. I, I, it's my, I, I, that, I just sort of assume that by his last name. It's Japanese, that last name. Yes. Okay. I just want to make sure. Before we, we dive we in, our legions of fans. <laughs> who who is this kid? What's his name again? Colin Morikawa. Yeah, it's my height. It's comforting. Well, yeah, he uh, he is of Ch- Japanese Chinese descent. Oh, Scott, he is the son of Debbie and Blaine Morikawa. Blaine Morikawa. Yeah. That's one. That's one you don't hear. That's true. I am who I am, he says. But yes, he is. So you're right. That is um, the second major winner this year um, after Hideki Matsuyama won the Masters, who is fully Japanese, was the first Japanese-born player, I believe, to win a, to win a major. And now Colin Morikawa. I like Colin Morikawa. Oh, what is it that you like about him? He's good. I like, you know, as you know, this. there's been all this fuss about Mr. Bryson DeChambeau 
um, and he's hitting it so far, and that's where the game is headed, and you just got to hit it a thousand miles and swing as hard as you fucking can every time you swing. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody was like, oh, this guy's like found the cheat code in golf. He's reinvented golf. He's a scientist, blah, blah, blah. And here's this kid, Colin Marikawa, quiet kid, you know, quiet personality, just a great all-around game, not even one of the longest hitters, but a much better player than Bryson DeChambeau, going to have a much better career than Bryson DeChambeau, and receives a tenth of the attention, and now has won. What's most impressive, He his first PGA he ever played in, he won. His first British Open he ever played in, he won. So wow. he's like, and he's only, I think, 23, 24 years old. I mean, this guy's going to be the, you know, the, probably the face of golf in a few years. Um, and we spent all this time on these two meatheads, Brooks Kepka and Bryson DeChambeau, trying to turn this rivalry into like, you know, this shake and bake of golf. <laughs> and <laughs> um, here's this quiet kid who's better than all of them. So I like him. I mean, Brian, it's just the Japanese are taking over. Right. <laughs> Otani is ruling baseball. Morikawa sits atop the golf world. Yeah. I really Thank enjoy it. Did you see this Bryson DeChambeau kind of meltdown after his first round? <laughs> and he started well, complaining about his driver. I must have, right? Because we were... Oh, that was Thursday, his first round. Yeah. Yeah, no, I didn't see that. He was like, this driver sucks. <laughs> like... <laughs> Got the driver sucks. I can't hit a shot, you know. And so, you know, these guys get paid a lot of money to play the cub clubs that they play, and the, the the executives at the Cobra Golf Manufacturing Corporation were not thrilled to have their premier sponsored player go on national television and <laughs> exclaim, "The driver sucks." sucks. <laughs> So it was so over the top that the the guy who like the like who makes the clubs and works with him gave a lengthy interview to Golf Week, basically defending himself and saying what a baby this guy is and how much of a and so think about that those power dynamics like this guy just works for Cobra and he Whoa. was like he flamed him he's like he's just a you know he's like this is like a child complaining who doesn't get his way and blah blah, blah. like I, you got to read the article it's crazy. Wait, so that that really happened Thursday? Yes, yes. I that's wild. Oh yeah, it was hilarious. And basically, the guy was like, "Look, he wants the driver to be like five inches longer than everybody else. It's five degrees. It's got a flat face that he insists on. He's like, hello, it's not going to be as accurate as other drivers. You know, it's right. Like, so you're swinging a million miles an hour. You've lost a little bit of accuracy, Bryson. This was not. This is a slightly a predictable problem you're experiencing and that doesn't mean he's gonna like not be a good player or win other tournaments it's just this like oh this guy has solved golf and no he hasn't <laughs> well i mean it also just goes to show like he's a staggering idiot like just think about the difference between has a bad round of golf and trashes his sponsor directly <laughs> Versus versus what all the NBA players did and took a lot of heat for when Daryl Morey commented on uh, Tibet and China. Right. And all, like LeBron has to get up there and like defend China. And right, then, right. And then take a take heat for that. And Bryson can't be troubled to not trash his direct sponsor. <laughs> right. Like, right. And it's just hilarious that they like actually replied, you know, and like 
You um, got to. Yeah. What are you supposed to do? Yeah. But not even, it wasn't like it was like the CEO responding. It was like the guy whose job is to like make the clubs, you know, he was like, because right. that, you know, he could get fired. He's like pissing off one of their top sponsored athletes, whatever. That's um, true. So I thought it was pretty wild that he felt like, what the hell? <laughs> wow. Yeah. I'm doing I my best. Like my pendulum is swinging back towards Brooks in that rivalry. Right. I mean, I still just, they're both awful, but right. there's no winner. <laughs> <laughs> Especially not us, the fans. Brooks, it's like, can you miss a t- Like, can, can you miss an opportunity to bring it up? Like, all right, we got it. You hate the guy. Like, let it go. He doesn't, like, every interview, you know, or every time he's, you know, he then made a crack about Bryson complaining about the driver which was funny sure but like just give the kid a break he doesn't right. need this every time like why don't you just move on with your life <laughs> why don't you just try to win a regular tournament how about that or a major because you stopped winning those you two. stopped winning those two and we've all had it with your baloney about uh <laughs> your you 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 know how to win the majors, whatever. Even though he played well again, and he does, <laughs> he does seem to be in the top five in every single major. So he probably has <laughs> something's working. He has some idea of what he's doing, but screw him. He stinks. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. It is incredible, though. The two guys could be in a rivalry where they both become less likable. Right. It's not serving anyone well. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Not helping. Uh, now, this has actually honestly been, you know, there's a lot of Japan talk on this week's episode, which is weird. Uh, <laughs> but you'll find this interesting. This is more just a, this is a little sidebar here. But so uh, we, were, we were together. Uh, we were together for the Open for most of it. Uh, someone of Japanese descent won. I met one of the only other half Japanese people I've ever met, our boy Katsu. Shout out Katsu. Yeah. He he was up there at this party that we went to. We met him for the first time. Now, he's probably the first half Japanese person I've met in I don't even know. Decades? Yeah. Possibly. Yesterday, so 3 days after I met Katsu, I met another half Japanese person like myself. It's the parent at one of my at my daughter's camp, one of the mothers. Okay. So maybe just, the floodgates have been opened. That's right. Well, we're coming out of the woodwork, Brian. It's right. our, it's just, we've decided that this is our time to shine. Right. You know? And uh, also going on in Japanese things, we're about to have the Summer Olympics in Tokyo in front of no fans during a raging pandemic. True. That's true. You know, just because we're talking about this weekend, you know, you and it's interesting, like, what ethnicities, like, get dropped and which ones, you know, like, we, we were with a friend who is, you know, I'm not 100% Italian, but I have, I'm of Italian descent, I guess. But I have to say, it just outside of, like, a few, like, cultural ticks, I don't think that much about it, you know? Like, I don't care. I don't feel particularly Italian, Um you know, I make a nice tomato sauce. I wouldn't buy it in a jar and I like sliced fresh mozzarella. But outside of that, but we were with somebody who has wrapped his identity around being Italian. Yes. Um, 
even though as it turned out, I guess, as we discovered, he's very, only like 5% Italian. Right. <laughs> In fact, very lightly Italian. Um, but it's interesting. In Italian, I think Italian Italian Americans, like there's a real distinction between those people who like really cling to it and those who have shaken it off. Um, and the, the why and how those things are interesting. Yeah. I mean, there you think do you feel like there are people who who distance themselves from their Italian heritage? Not distance, but where like like it doesn't mean anything to me. Like I don't when Italy is playing in the World Cup, like I it I feel next to nothing. You know, like right. right. Um, saying even saying I'm Italian feels weird to me sometimes. Like I, I guess I, <laughs> do I speak yeah. Italian? No. Like I like Italian food. But lots of people do, you know. Right. That's not exclusive to Italians. <laughs> right, right. I make a few Italian recipes that my grandmother handed down. But you know, anyway. Whereas some people like they, it's like I'm Italian American, you know. I mean? Right. Absolutely. Um, and why, you know, I think being of Japanese descent, like sometimes you can't. I don't even know if you get to make. You don't really get to make that decision no. by way of your look. Um, yeah, and it's that decision is always made for me. Right. Like regardless of the circumstance. Yeah. Right, right. Always. Yeah. Those are fascinating yeah. sociological right. questions that we not like Ital- <laughs> at, uh, we don't have the expertise to discuss, but I'm glad that we're doing it anyway. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, we're touching we have a, a broad spectrum of knowledge here, Brian. Um Do you like Italian food? Right. That's not that's not uh, a defining characteristic of Italian people. Everybody likes Italian food. Right. Yeah. I mean, look, I mean, I mean, there's things that have certainly I think I'm outwardly Italian in some certain ways, but I, um, it's uh, it's just interesting to me who people who are like, oh, you know, you can be like a third generation and yet you still feel this like connection to it or desire to to project it when other people don't. Yeah. I, and I think you see a lot more of that in the New York area, honestly. Yeah. People are very tied to their ethnic identities here. Right. That's true. You know, like, I feel like Irish people are a lot like that, too. That's true. Like, some Irish people, you never know. They're just white. Some Irish yeah. people, like, they mean they're Irish. They're like, yeah. I'm Irish. Right. Just don't ever forget it. <laughs> right, right. Is Every day is St. Patty's Day. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Right. I guess that's funny. That's like, it, 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 there's something political there, too, right? I mean, I do think yes. it's like, it's I'm Irish. I'm a distinct type of white. And to me, it's like, you're white. You're in the diaspora of whiteness and <laughs> right. nobody cares. Nobody wants to slice it up between the Swiss and the Irish and the Italians. And the... <laughs> so right. stop like, doing it. Basically, you can walk into any room in the world and just be kind of unnoticeable. Right. Almost. Right. Yeah. No one's like, what's that guy's deal? Just based off of your you know genetic looks right right yeah i don't know i don't know what i'm getting at yeah. but there's something there yeah. <laughs> there's there a kernel there. of something interesting there <laughs> right that we probably should have worked out <laughs> <laughs> earlier today <laughs> but here we are and our athletes are in tokyo right now brian uh are you gonna are you gonna tune into the olympics Sure. Although if it happens, right? I mean, right. I mean, geez, 
there's no fans, right? So, I mean, it's going to be just COVID. It's everybody. That's going to be the story of the Olympics. It's the worst, too, because we we almost got used to no fans. Then fans were back, and it's like, oh, my God, what did we, what did, we do without fans? Right. And now there's going to be a lot of sports on with no fans. Right. Also, like, I'm surprised that you couldn't, like – that the Olympics couldn't be a vaccinated only environment, right? Like, well, because I think Japan is highly under vaccinated because I don't think that they have received the actual vaccines. I don't think the Japanese people are hesitant to get vaccinated. I just think they don't have vaccines. They don't have the supply. Right. And so it's, it's mostly the citizenry that, that that's the issue there. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, I love the Olympics. I mean, you know, I, I think the Olympics, you know, we talked last week about name and likeness and that sea change. Like the Olympics is another one of those things where it's like, guys, you got to figure something out here. Like right. how to properly compensate all the athletes, how to, what the formula is here. But like the way that you are running this is no longer tenable. I understand the history of it and that it's very unique. And so it was every four years. It was amateurs. That certainly made sense in like 1926, but we're in a different time now. And like, yes, some, some changes need to be made to the Olympics and it's no longer going to work this way. Um, Yeah. I would never turn on the Olympics on my TV, look at one of the people competing in any event and think amateur An amateur. Right. (laughs) You know, like, and then, or that amateurism means that, like, I'm so nice that these are all amateurs. That makes this right. better. I don't... <laughs> no, it doesn't. Right. But, you know, if you lose the Olympics as the brand, then the money, you lose the money, right? So that's really the tricky part because nobody wants to watch, like, non-Olympic track and field. Um, so how you – but it's solvable, I'm sure. I, I don't have the well, solution, but – Name, image, likeness is going to do, I think, quite a bit for that. Like you even think too. Well, that already like, they can already do that though. They can be they they don't have those types of restrictions. Okay, okay. So they always could have done that. They yeah they do do that. They you know like yeah. remember the old I guess right the that's ended up on Wheaties boxes. Dan and, and Dave, Nike campaign. Oh right, Dan and Dave both <laughs> both stink right. They both, both missed did it. Terrible. Dan was actually you know came back and redeemed himself. Dave I don't think ever did. But yeah, neither one made the. Made the was that Olympics. shocking to people who like cared about Olympic sports? It was a huge deal at the time. I'll never forget it. Well, it shocked me, right? But we were kids. Yeah, and well, was, they, there, like, was, I think there was a thirty for thirty about Dan and Dave that was really good. Um, that was really funny. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's the only thing you could do about those two, I guess. At this point, it's like laugh, right? <laughs> we should be trotting them out every four years. Yeah. Dan, I'm pretty sure, did redeem himself. Okay. But not really. Like, redemption had to be winning a gold, right? Yeah, but I think he did. Oh, he did? Yes. Well, I'm very into the Olympics, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) More of a... (laughs) I do love them, though. I'm very much looking forward to watching the gymnastics with my daughter. Yeah, Um, he won the gold in Atlanta. The decathlon, which is his event. So he fully redeemed okay i don't but i disagree i wouldn't say fully redeemed okay i would say partially redeemed okay he had to do it when the commercials were out but i don't know i think that's you know a lot of pressure remember that um speed skater that was falling all the time what's oh, his no? name no um also a dan 
Dan Jensen. Jansen. That, that name sounds familiar, but yes, Dan Jansen. And he won gold also. He, you know, is an interesting one, whether you would consider him redeemed because he did then win some golds, but it's like you fell a bunch. (laughs) (laughs) You cost yourself a lot of gold. So it's like (laughs) you could have been one of the great Olympians ever if you didn't fall all those times. (laughs) (laughs) But you did. So I don't know. You did. Does that that you finally broke through? You know, it's still a tremendous accomplishment. I, as, as somebody who has no Olympic medals of any kind, I should be a little more forgiving. But he was one of my faves. I liked that guy. You like you, you like the. It was just fun. This guy. Skater. It was just fun. This guy kept falling, and it was like so. You know, that sport when you fall, it's. I mean, that's about as oh, humiliating a moment for an athlete. Like, there's very. It'd be like somebody like going up for the winning dunk and like breaking their neck against the rim, you know what I mean? Like bashing their head in the rim. Like it looks horrible. You're just splayed out all over the ice. Like it's tough. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And like, you probably take out other people also. It's like that lady we were talking about the French open, right? (laughs) The lady with the sign. Did you show me that video? The tour de France. Yeah. That's what I said. Yeah. That's what I meant. Uh, The tour de France. Yeah. Right. Knocked over all the cyclists. (laughs) (laughs) That stinks. Whoops. That's too bad. What events are you most excited for? Um, I like the gymnastics. Yep. I like gymnastics. Are you... I like to see the Simone Biles. Do you think Simone Biles... I think she's the most... The first women's athlete who has a legitimate claim to being the greatest athlete in you know, like I've always felt like you know they tried to say that about Serena and like you know what I mean it's always like a little bit of a I don't want to say a politically correct position like there's no it's very difficult right to like talk about men and women and who's better athletes and what that right. really means but like right. she is so incredible <laughs> at gymnastics where you're like I don't she is maybe better at that than any at like and the athleticism I, of what she does is so insane yeah, I think what you're looking for here is pound for pound. I think yes. that's uh, yeah. yes, like no, she's up there. I mean, did you see this was going around on social media? I saw it on Instagram, maybe like House of Highlights or something like that. It was like a different camera angle than you typically see gymnastics, and it was like elevated, but it was just like a little lower than normal. And she did some sort of flip across a mat, like she did this like tumbling like in the air flip and at the angle at which it was presented in that video, I couldn't, I mean, it, it was maybe the most incredible thing I've ever seen. It was a human being able to fly or at the very least, like a real live, it was spider woman, spider Simone. It was crazy. Yeah. It's just like, you're just like, <laughs> this is the pinnacle of like human achievement. This woman. Right. Yeah. Like, it's like she could dodge bullets. She right. has the athleticism to just be like, <laughs> You've just never like, seen anything like it. Never. Never. She, yeah. I think that's stunning. a good way of putting it. Like, pound for pound, how we do in boxing. It's like, yeah, it is like that. It's just like, all things uh, being equal. It's just, she's mind-boggling. <laughs> yeah. She's, uh, right. She's incredible. So this will be her moment to shine. Are you going to be into basketball? Or is it just kind of like, whatever? 
I mean, you know, I'll watch probably a little bit of it. It's cool that there's some, it seems like there's a little bit of, um, you know, it's not a foregone conclusion. The Americans are going to win the gold, although I think it's probably pretty good bet, but uh, that makes it a little bit exciting. And it's always fun to watch. Um, we know that you won't be rooting for Italy just because you're Italian, but are you going to be into soccer because you and I are now soccer fans? Olympic soccer? No. Maybe. I'm going to try to be into it. All it right, beats, I'll try. It beats, yeah, it beats a poke in the eye. Yeah, right, right. It beats spending time with my children. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. Any other summer events of note? I guess there's the, you know, the track and field. Is there anyone that's a threat to the world record in the 100-yard dash or no? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know that either. Why you do know, we know these things? Because this is, you know, why we have a scintillating Olympics segment. Because we did, this is the preparation that you come to this show for, folks, uh, to get these types of Olympics. How many more time do we have here? I feel like we've been going for 10 hours. <laughs> I think we have one minute. No minute to go. I just think much like baseball, though, I used to know a lot about the Olympics going in without a lot of effort. Just I don't know where I was getting the information yeah, from. Right. Yeah. But I was just knowing about the Olympics. Like it's about to happen. I'm excited. I know who the Americans are. I know the sports that we're gonna dominate in. I know the countries were that are our enemies. I used to know all those things. Now I don't know anything. Yeah, there's a lot of that is because we blame all this stuff on the sports. And it's like, hockey, why don't I know about hockey anymore? And it's like, because I have a job and a wife and family <laughs> and I have That's stuff so to true. do. Whereas then, yeah, I knew everything about every freaking sport. I knew who was going to win the gold. I knew Dave and Dan and all their backstories and Dan Jansen and what was up with him. Because I had absolutely nothing to do except a little bit of schoolwork and some masturbation. And that's it. <laughs> <And> so <laughs> these are different times that we live in. Well, they sure are. Well, I think that's a perfect note for us <laughs> to, to end this week's episode on. <laughs> Oh, man. But uh, everybody out there, thank you for uh, listening. Thank you for your support, as always. RadioFreeBrooklyn.org.